0: and welcome to accountability talks with AGA i'm your host paul marshall so we recorded this uh episode a few weeks ago with uh mark Rieger and doug glenn and we're talking about ethics kinds of good real life stories and opinions and thoughts from some leaders in our accountability community so sit back and enjoy the podcast Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, we're speaking with two of our favorite folks, Mark Rieger and Doug Glenn. Good afternoon. How are you guys doing?
1: Excellent. Thank you. Yes. Great here too. Beautiful day.
0: All right. So we're here to talk about ethics and we're going to make it a fun and interesting discussion for sure. Um, so I think we want to start off a little bit about our guests and their background and maybe their interest in ethics, why they want to talk about that today. And then we'll get into... Um, some ethical requirements that we should all be following and some stories they have to share. So maybe Mark, why don't you kick us off here?
1: Hi, for any of those of you who don't know me, my name is Mark Rieger. I'm gonna just tell you a little bit about myself so that you can get a framing for why I wanted to come over here today and talk about ethics. Um, I was a 20 year State of Maryland employee. It's where I started my uh, government service, Uh, spent time in the Maryland Department of Agriculture, moved over to the state treasurer's office, and eventually got fired by the uh, political elected state treasurer. And that's when I jumped ship and came over to be the CFO of the FCC, CFO of OPM, the Fiscal Dep- uh, Assistant Secretary at Treasury for Accounting Policy, and then over to the White House and the OMB as the Deputy Controller of the United States and OMB. All right.
2: How about Doug? Um, I came in, I started in the industry in the uh, early 90s right after passage of the, the CFO Act and um, quickly fell into governmental auditing, uh, got picked uh, worked uh, eight years doing audits in small and big firms and then just eventually made the quality of life decision and came over to uh, the government side and uh, have fallen in love with the mission. I am very much enamored with the concept that I'm serving my country. Um, I'm not carrying a gun. I'm not getting shot at. <laughs> But when I look in the mirror and I ask myself how do I feel about what I do? I feel good about it.
0: All right. Well, so I think another question too maybe just for our folks here. Um we're going to be talking about ethics today, but you know, what would you say are some of the, you know, guardrails or things you've had in your career to kind of get where you are today and how has ethics played a role in that? I mean, Mark, you want to jump in there?
1: Sure. I, and I think Doug hit on it really well just a minute ago. Um I I joined state government because of my grandmother Uh, You know, when I was growing up, she was a state employee. She told me what, you know, how wonderful it was to have a good salary, uh, reasonably normal hours to work and decent benefits. Uh, And so I've had since I was in college, this dedication to public service, you know, this real goal of giving back. And so I skipped my first job in our earlier discussion, discussion, Mm -hmm. which was actually accounting for radar units and F-16 fighters wow. at a certain defense contractor. Hmm. Uh, it was an incredible job. I was either 100% right or 100% wrong because we were delivering one a month at that <laughs> point. Uh, there, it just didn't feel like much to me. And so I always wanted to find a way to get back into public service. And so when it presented itself, I jumped at it. and And I've just kept doing that. Uh, over my 40-year career, is f- try to find jobs where I thought I was actually contributing to make life better uh, f- right. for people.
0: Yeah, what do you think about you, Doug? What's what's made you want to stay in this career path?
1: Um, it's
2: it's treated me well, and I'm 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 committed to the cause. I, it, it, it's an exciting time uh, for me professionally because I recently moved to the Department of Defense, and as people know. Uh, defense is the long pole in the tent to the government-wide clean opinion. And I, I very much hope and believe that in my lifetime I'm going to turn on the, the news one evening and hear for the first time in United States history the U.S. government got a clean audit opinion. There's a, there's a couple of different reasons for that. It's, yeah. it's feeling like I've made a difference. It's feeling like my industry's adding value. It's kind of the deeper public trust and government issue. Uh-huh. Uh, I talk about this all the time, but the last time I checked, it's at 17%. Think about that for a sec. You take six Americans, ask them if they trust their government. Five are going to say no. Mm. That appalls me. It kills me that I'm working for a government that that I'm serving the public, and they don't trust us. So, uh, somewhere in my uh, psyche, I'm, I guess I'm hoping that you know this industry. When we turn that opinion around, we can feel or we can look the public in the eye and say, "Hey, we've done our part. Whether you like it or not, we right. can at least tell you." how we've spent your money
1: and what we've done with it right um let me add something if you don't mind Doug. Uh, it also strikes me that we're both accountants and in the accounting profession we have some unique opportunities to talk about ethics and talk about our government service because we have this set of rules and regulations that do govern a lot of what accountants do Mm -hmm. but every day accountants are really faced with ethical choices some of which we're gonna talk about in a little while. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really fundamental principle in the ethics profession, line up really well with government accountants because we're trying to keep track of other people's money, mm-hmm. not for profit purposes, but I'm not opposed to profit if anybody's listening. Um, <laughs> but you know, in a government setting, we are really taking uh, other people's money we're trying to account for that money in a way that we could explain to them what we've done with the money we've collected from them and how it has benefited society in general right. to try to make the world a better place mm-hmm. so accounting sort of is a natural way of serving and allowing for a level of accuracy that our accounting profession sort of easily falls into right yeah.
2: and that uh, to add to that, part add my, my, my earlier response. Part of what h- has kept me in this industry is in the 27 years I've I've been doing this. The first half was, hey, how do we get our clean opinions, and then how do we get rid of our material weaknesses, which yeah. we've done a good job at. Uh, but the last half of my career, and a lot of this goes to not to suck up, but to Mark's leadership at, at the at OMB and the CFO Council, is it was really really neat being part of a group of people from different agencies scratching our heads and saying how do we add more value Hmm. what can we do to create increase our influence what can we do to to serve the public better how can we drive transparency and accountability and just that really is a neat environment to be part of right
0: i mean it seems like accountability that term itself exudes ethical right i mean that's the whole point we want to properly show how we're using these funds use them in a proper way i mean it's that's ethics kind of in a nutshell and to me
2: yeah i have i have long surmised that our industry is probably i don't know how you measure transparency and comfort with transparency Mm -hmm. but i would i would theorize that our industry is much more comfortable with transparency than a lot of other industries and i attribute that to a couple different things one we're blessed with very detailed guidance Mm -hmm. we've got gatsby standards FASB standards, and uh, uh, m- most priority for us on the federal side, FAS- FASAB standards. Um, Treasury financial manual. Uh, mm-hmm. So we know how to account for stuff. It's in right. there, and as long as we're following that, we know we're good. And the other side is we're audited every year we are used to people looking over our shoulders and saying what did you do how did you do it why did you do it that way right so we're used to people looking at our stuff so yeah i i think we are probably better positioned inherently to embrace transparency
1: and the cool part about the federal (laughs) auditing and and government auditing over accountants in general is it's the same accountants yeah you know it's the same accountants who account for things in relationship to rules that we've established ourselves as those folks who take a turn on the other side of the accounting arm which is to audit the information being collected so it we do such a cool job of policing ourselves and policing our own industry towards accuracy mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm stuck with a martin luther king oath uh, quote and for any of those listening know that i'm not gonna be able to talk for more than five minutes without a quote um this one actually came from martin luther king who says the time is always right to do the right thing. Hmm. And that's the way I like to think yeah, about like accounting, that. accounting, and especially accounting and government. We're challenged constantly to do the right thing, but not against some moral compass. Well, yes, but also against a set of written rules that are pretty easy to follow. Right. We could go through some of that if you're- well, I, I you was gonna
0: that. say, why don't we segue into what are those rules we need to be following?
1: So here's where we get a little boring. So anybody who wants mm-hmm. to go get a cup of coffee, uh, we'll be here when you come back. Well, that wouldn't me. be ethical, though. Oh, oh no, no, because you're you're listening to this. <laughs> but we
2: are going to weave in ethical dilemmas that we've experienced, so that's always interesting. That's right.
1: So we'll go through a couple quick uh, concepts here, just uh, ethics and governmental accounting, and talk about um, ha- strategical ethical considerations and what are some of the basic elements of ethical considerations and protection of the public trust. So the AICPA has a core set of core. Uh, principles about ethics and they consist of things like a principle and consistency in financial reporting Uh, apply those principles regularly when you're doing financial statements or any accounting Uh, a principle of permanent methods consistent procedures and practices a principle of non-compensation so if you're generating financial information um, you don't get compensated for generating the favorable financial information. You get, gener- you get paid for generating the right financial mm-hmm. information. Uh, a principle of prudence in all reporting, which is factual, reasonable, and non-speculative. Hey, Doug, we ought to think about that when we start doing those projection financial statements. <laughs> uh, a principle of regularity, which means you have to generate those statements on some basis, right. you know, and, and regularly on that same basis. Couple more, sincerity, it means a principle of basic honesty and accuracy. Good faith, everybody involved in the sincerity process has to, has to agree to be honest and act in behalf of the process, not in their own good. Uh, three more, materiality, a general, general concept of what things are material in what you're putting together. A concept of continuity, Uh, which is most important when you talk about asset valuation think about the assets the government has you have to make an assumption that the government's going to be there continue and and so Mm -hmm. those assets have value and then something called periodicity Mm -hmm. and it's a commonly acceptable reporting period I'm gonna keep going for a sec here guys all right go for it because AGA has some ethical standards that they've issued out there ethical principles these kind of mirror the aicpas but give me a minute and we'll talk about these which is integrity that's that straightforwardness and honesty that has to go into all your financial accumulations whether it be the accumulation of the information or the presentation of the information objectivity and to that AGA talks about fairness lack of prejudice or bias no conflicts of interest uh, professional competence and due care aga leans into that one a lot because there's a lot of changes in accounting rules you know we like to think of it as a stable base of concepts unfortunately that darn faceab keeps coming up with no new rules mm-hmm. I, I sat on faceab for eight years so i can get away with that for a little while um, there's a concept in agas of confidentiality And what this one's really about is information that you collect, which may be personal financial information, should be used only for the purpose that you're collecting it and for only held for the time you needed to do that. So there's an interesting concept about.
2: Well, that one's had a huge impact on the industry since the the data breach. I mean, Mm. I don't have the numbers, but if you look at the number of significant deficiencies and material weaknesses that popped up in everybody's audit reports after that OPM data breach still to this day we are very closely looking at how we control in our our, the the sensitive
1: information in our systems so one more piece and that's the AGA code of professional conduct Mm -hmm. and oddly it starts with obey the law (laughs) you know we are government accountants so first and foremost you should know the law you're obeying how you conduct yourself uh How you use confidential information. So that same question comes up again, Doug. A standard of conduct. In this one, it's actually about what government do you represent when you do this? What company might you represent? How does your company look for your actions and your representations? Uh, Perform your duties with the highest degree of professional care. Render opinions, exercise diligence, objectivity, and honesty. And then the last one is avoid any activity to appear improper. So between the AICPA and AGA, I think they pretty much cover the waterfront of do good, don't do wrong.
0: So let me ask you questions because I was just thinking while you were going over all those, private sector and the government. You know, when I think private sector, unethical activities with reporting, it's pretty obvious. You know, these are profit-making enterprises. They want to show the profits, the cash flows mm-hmm. and they might mess and, with those numbers a little bit
2: and there's huge bonuses that out absolutely on those numbers
0: and they, even their auditors well they're incentivized to give them a good audit so that they can continue to do good keep coming back i right. mean what would be the government equivalents i don't know if that's the same motivation right as i don't think as,
2: there is i think i was just thinking that we're we're blessed with a very low incentive to yeah. commit uh, unethical behavior um,
0: like reporting wise yeah i
2: mean i can think of a case when when i was on the audit side um i think this is old enough to to share (laughs) but the firm i was at was auditing dc government and they literally came across examples where the supporting documentation had been doctored
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it had
2: been copied altered and recopied uh to pass the audit sample now i don't uh, that was decades ago but when you're trying to get a clean opinion or your division is under audit scrutiny and might be the one that, that uh, tanks or loses a clean audit opinion, right? I guess I could imagine some incentive there to perhaps uh, veer uh, astray. If yeah. you
1: think about state and local governments, you get more of the motive of borrowing. Remember that they're in the bond markets regular sure. yes. and, and sell their bonds to not only citizens, but other governments. So you do have the incentive in state and locals about accounting properly and correctly within the rules for things because those financial statements are being relied upon by other people who are then loaning you money. On the federal side, yeah, we kind of print our own money, <laughs> and so I'm not sure that objective works as well. I think you yeah. you actually find, having been in state, moved over the feds, that the federal employees who do this are even more altruistic about their dedication to making sure that they're doing a good job. And something on the scale of the federal government, you have to really believe that it is a fundamental principle of democracy uh, of accounting for things for the people you are then spending their money for and I can right. share a rather scary example of this just to first show all of you how well off we are in the United States I
2: um, oh, just the example that you were telling that
1: story it is. That I, oh, and, I and some of you have heard yeah. this but it's, it's a great one when I was with Treasury I managed to go to the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development this is called OECD mm-hmm. and it's a group uh, who meets in Paris of, uh, at the time, 135 countries who were trying to move towards consistency and government reporting. Uh, It mostly applied for the bond markets who were loaning money to governments. Uh, The United States was there because it was encouraging uniformity. And it was encouraging at the time I was involved uh, accounting reporting as a basic principle of democracy meaning that if a government was going to represent people it shouldn't be taxing people and taking the money not really uniformly it should be transparent about its collection processes about the application of rules and it should similarly be keeping track of what it did with that money and telling the people who they taxed what Mm. they did yeah so one year we were on our way the team to OECD in Paris and we were passed a note that we were being directed. I would have said asked, but we really weren't. Uh, you all know how that works. To host a reception that night in Paris for the uh, what were called the, at the time the Arab Spring countries. So there was a, a flurry of democratic creations among a number of Middle Eastern countries mostly. Uh, and they had been invited by Uh, the United States to a reception that night uh, was just in a giant conference room there were no uh, uh, lavish facilities sorry uh, with a number of governments who were already doing financial reporting so us France Germany uh, United Kingdom just to talk about the principles of accounting in a democracy and how important that was and we had a great conversation Uh, they were very interested they asked us a lot of questions we explained to them that in the United States at least we thought it was a basic premise that our government supported us ensuring that we were doing everything we could to get clean opinions because they wanted that assurance to the people that the agencies were tracking things adequately and correctly the hard part of the story was year two so the year after that We went to the oecd meeting again and we sit the meeting itself is in a much larger conference room where just as you might imagine 135 countries with the representatives sitting at the table and people behind them and I, i never did figure out how we sat wherever we sat but two seats down was one of these arab spring countries i don't speak a lot of other languages but the representative leaned over and in broken english said I need to speak with you privately. Hmm. Well, you can't speak to other governments privately. So we got a hold of the State Department. They, oh, ca- right. they set up a meeting. And here's her story. She had come the year before, she and her boss, and they had listened to us all talk about how important accounting against standards was and why it was incumbent upon a government trying to represent its citizens to forthfully express where they got the money and how they used the money. And she told the story of a government takeover by a a group and their uh, issuance of financial statements. And that next day, a insurgent member came in, asked who was in charge of the accounting operation, walked up and asked that person if in fact they had published these accounting records showing people how much money had come in and what the government had done with that money. And the gentleman stood up and said he did, that was his job they then killed him right in front of his entire staff and hmm. said that nobody would release any information without having cleared it through them. Hmm. I've heard a lot of horror stories, uh, but I've never heard of anybody in this country threatening an accountant with their life or demonstrating such a threat by killing them in front of their staff. Um, we, we left the meeting not long after that uh, having tried to counselor the best we could and the State Department then got involved with the whole process. But it was a start and startling reality that we're blessed to never have faced those kind of pressures in the United States. Accounting ethics is sort of an accepted term here. And a government accountant like Doug, who works so diligently to get the opinion for DOD, and I hope it comes next year too, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, regardless of when it comes, people work every day to account for things properly in our governments, be they local, state, or federal, and none of us quite face right. those kind of threats.
2: Yeah, I'd say to the, to the contrary to that horrible example that, that Mark <laughs> just gave, there's a lot of inherent pressure to be ethical. I mean, if I found out one of my staff is committing unethical behavior mm-hmm. that runs the risk of reflecting on my office, I'm gonna take a direct and harsh interest in, in that individual and, and their behavior. Um, uh, ethics, it's, it's kind of like trust. It's It's hard to earn and easy to lose. And I don't think any of us want to risk being an unethical person in the industry because it's a small industry we all know each other. Right. Um, I mean I can I think back on my my years uh, uh, decades in the in the industry and when I think about all of the conversations I've had with my peers or the discussions in the CFO com- council yeah. never have those conversations been, "Hey, do you think we could do this and get away with it?" Hmm. It's really like, "Hey, what's the right thing to do?" That's right. just kind of the fundamental starting point. So, yeah, it's Uh, obviously we're we're worlds apart from 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 that we're very blessed to be in the situation we're in well
0: and I'll throw a plug in too for the private sector here so you know I've worked in accounting firms and all that and I mean again I'm very you know proud of how ethical I think a lot of them are as well I mean we're dealing with we're the accountants we're looking at government numbers and potentially procurement kind of information but we have very strong safeguards that is you know you this is not to be shared this is not to be used for any reason this is the work we're doing but those folks are fired off off from these other folks that shouldn't have that information. I mean, these firms are very, I mean, I think they uphold their ethics as well. You know, because again, we're doing the, we're seeing the dollars and where they're going and it's it's a very important responsibility to to not, you know, share that kind of information or use it for ill.
2: Absolutely. You know, a lot of times, frequently the conversations when, well, I'll be in a disagreement with with somebody in my career that's happened here and there, you just look at something differently. In pretty much every single time we've gone up the chain for resolution, the the partner or the the CFO has said, well, "What do the standards say? What do the rules say?" It's not how do we manipulate this or what do we want the, the these numbers or this issue how do we, how do, to resolve itself in our favor. It's just what are the standards and, and or and or well, really, what's in the public's best interest, right? You know that really is. I don't know if you can just count on that, or we're just blessed at this period of time and with the, the, the staffing that we have that we, we benefit from that. But it's, that's how it is now. Right. I, and I don't, switching gears a little bit, I don't know if it's changed, but I distinctly remember when I was studying accounting in college that it was publicly regarded. It, when the public was polled, what's the most ethical industry out there? Hmm. I remember attorneys were at the bottom, <laughs> and, and accountants were at the top. Uh, And to my knowledge, that's still the case today.
1: And you know, I think it's been reinforced over a long time, which I'm very, feel very positive about. I I ran across, here's another quote, folks. um, Of all people, by Walter Cronkite, Mm. years ago, you remember Walter Cronkite, guys. Um, And it was, ethics must be reintroduced to public service to restore people's faith in government. Without such faith, democracy cannot flourish. So even back in Walter Cronkite's year, I think the people who were our our reminders, those people sit on our shoulders and remind us how important it is to do the right thing all the time, as hard as that might be, have been actively reminding us that doing accounting and doing the fundamental right principles around managing government are critical to the existence of a well-run, well-represented uh, government. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, let me ask, uh, are, are you guys interested in maybe sharing a personal story you may have faced a challenge in your career and what you learned from that?
1: Go Shall I go first? Sure. <laughs> uh, so I mentioned that I got fired from the state of Maryland. Um, not, uh, it, about midpoint in my career, I was uh, with the state treasurer's office and uh, the treasurer who I thought the world of was a lady named Lucy Mauer out of Montgomery County. Uh, and Lucy was just a, an absolutely fabulous uh, lady but she uh was elected and then reelected and uh i the 19 year state employee had got offered a job by lucy to be the chief deputy treasurer of maryland nice job but a, an appointment had no qualms about it um except lucy got a brain tumor mm-hmm. and not long after actually died um her um uh, just arch enemy in the Maryland legislature got elected to be the next treasurer Um, I knew this gentleman well Uh, he was we were not necessarily compatible so as you might imagine day one I started applying for other jobs Mm -hmm. knowing what was eventually coming but I found myself sitting in meetings with this gentleman where he was doing things that I really deep in my heart thought were not totally ethical Mm -hmm. and um, being the front the upfront guy i went and sat with him and said uh i'm not i i just want you to know i'm not going to sit in any more of those meetings you know it's this doesn't feel right to me yeah um i've done some checking uh it's not necessarily illegal uh, but it could lead to some very very um, dangerous practices Hmm. and so i'm going to not sit in those meetings it wasn't long after that that i know he got some legal advice that uh, pointed out a Maryland statute that actually allowed for the removal of the treasurer if the chief deputy alleged any misconduct, and so we came to a parting of ways. He said, uh, "I'd like to appoint somebody as my deputy," and I voluntarily resigned so I could uh, move on to a different place to work. Right. Um, it, it it history's really tough on things, and he only remained treasurer for a year uh, after that, but. It, it was a real ethical dilemma. Yeah. I had three little girls at home, and we had just done right. a, mi- a major revision. He he really technically never asked me to do anything that was going to break the law, right. but the appearances of what he did did reverberate through Maryland for quite a while. Right. Um, and so it was a hard ethical dilemma, um, and, and I was very happy with the results in total.
0: Yeah, and that reminds me, when I first started off, In the government world i was an auditor and one of the things they taught me right away was it's not just the things you do it's the perception of what you're doing too even if something could be perceived as unethical you shouldn't do it and i thought that was always a very good message too
1: and it's it's your relationship to that activity Mm -hmm. you know in, in those days maryland treasurer's office had a lot of relationships with u.s treasury we were working on the cash management improvement act and some other things and when they started to find out the things that were going on in the office, they backed off a lot. So even if you're not the person uh, doing the treatment, right? If, if you're aware of it, you really got to be concerned about how much it's tainted what you're doing, too. So yeah. you, you'd be surprised. I think people do face ethical dilemmas pretty regularly. Have any examples in your career, Doug?
2: Yeah, um, sadly, I should I should probably confess that I, I have been fired uh, from a job. And Maybe I, the
1: best accountants have all been fired. It's a lesson well, we learned.
2: Actually, I was fired for ethical reasons. I was I was fired from Baskin-Robbins for eating too much, uh, <laughs> which actually really was my first experience with internal control, to be honest with you. I had, I had mowed through like four brownies in one shift, and I got called into the manager's office the next day like, Doug, we made a full sheet of brownies. Um, where'd they go? And at first I was like, oh boy, we sold a lot of fudge Sunday or brownie Sundays. They're like, no, we checked the registered tape. You sold one. What happened to the other four? And, <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, um, that was my lesson with uh, ethics. Uh, no, I professionally, past high school, I was at an agency. And when you start a new job, you, you, you quickly learn who, who to listen to and who maybe to take with a grain of salt. And some of the best and brightest property accountants were coming to me saying, Hey, our balance sheet is missing a billion dollars. We have a billion dollars of property that we've expensed that really should be capitalized. And it had existed for years, so prior period statements were probably wrong. So I started floating this, socializing it with my my peers and, and boss and there definitely was a reaction of hey look this is an estimate it doesn't have to be perfect and mm. i mean we're talking about a billion and materiality was uh, to about 200 million so it's not <laughs> like we're talking barely material and it ultimately it, it culminated in a meeting in a room with all of my peers and boss and all of them clearly trying to persuade me don't raise this with the auditors mm-hmm. and i'm outnumbered and then it's and then I could see the ethical train heading right for me with the rep letter. How am I going to sign a rep? If I don't mention this to the auditors, how am I going to sign that rep letter? Am I yeah. Believing that a billion dollars is missing. Now, I got, I got an out on that one. Um, another job came up that I took, and I was able to leave before that rep letter train rolled right over me. Um, but that's, that was out there. I mean, that, that would have been a restatement a whole big issue um, which uh, fortunately I actually switching gears a little bit I had a call from a a peer just last weekend as a matter of fact Mm. they're like hey um, we had this material accrual usually we validate it Uh, we didn't validate it yet I think it might be wrong do I raise this
0: Mm.
2: and that's that one's got some gray area to it because it's an accrual, so it reverses. Yeah. So even if you're materially off, it's a timing difference. All right. So maybe you got a period issue, but you really aren't misstating anything. Maybe at that point in time you are, and you're not sure it's wrong. Yeah. And even if it is wrong, you're not sure it's materially wrong. So do you go to the auditors on that? Make a stink because. This individual had started to raise these questions with with his peers, and he was getting the you know, leave it alone, don't." If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And like, well, it we may be broke; we just don't know it. Right. And I don't, I don't, I don't know how that one's going to shake out. But that was a recent example that, because uh, they they were have a subsequent events uh, disclosure. Sure. They were. He was uh, wrestling with.
0: Well, that's interesting because I mean, you know, it, it, the ethics starts touching into areas of you know like restatements and things you always you know you want to avoid having to do that if you don't have to it's a lot of work it's a lot of things but it's so sometimes ethics is almost this is just going to be a lot more work for me i don't want to have to do that right but it's still not the right thing to do you know so it's very interesting like a human nature sort of thing Like we don't want to have to or we want to you know raise this issue get in trouble with our boss or whatever it may Mm be but our you know we i guess our mandate is to kind of try to be honest and that's the whole point of this right have the integrity right yeah. well, but, but if you don't know I mean, if it's an unknown it's kind of like a question well we're not sure if it's material or not that's a fair thing too yeah you know? I, and I don't want to be Pollyanna
2: about this and I've yeah. been accused of being an accountant <laughs> Boy Scout before yeah but what do you take take something like what if, what if your accumu- what if your depreciation expense is off yeah who uses depreciation? End of the day,
0: right. How big a deal is that? Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: I mean, it's still the right thing to do, but I got I to admit, I go through three criteria when, when I try to decide what to do when an issue pops up and do I raise the red flag. Mm-hmm. You know, first is impact, I mean, or materiality. I mean, how much are we talking about here? Is this a big deal or is this a small deal? Yeah. And then what's the likelihood of it being wrong? Mm-hmm. I, I definitely do not go down the path of what's the likelihood of it being discovered. Yeah. Because there. I do not want to be in the position with my auditors coming to me with saying they found something and saying, did you not know about this and your controls are that broken? Mm-hmm. Or you did and you just chose not to disclose it. Yeah. Um, uh, the other thing is um, really what's in the public's best interest. I mean, I got to admit, if I found a misstatement that the taxpayers are going to spend thousands and thousands say millions of dollars fixing a number that nobody uses i gotta admit i might question that is the public really best served by spending millions to correct a number that nobody uses
1: and there are some answer I and mean, guidance on some of this you know there there is history by people who have written things um, pick up any agencies uh, audited financial statements and you will find explanations of things you know it it's a lot of times could be that somebody wants to express something one way you feel real strongly about it going another way but in reality it doesn't matter how you do it as long as you explain it Mm -hmm. so that the reader has a concept about how you did so many times you can resolve ethical dilemmas with just being forthright and transparent about what it is Good point. Uh, you know it's it's you, you have to think let me just add a couple of, you you have to think about for instance all accounting activities it, when you're an accountant in a federal agency or in a state government you know and you're working in the accounting field you may have responsibility for pieces of things because it's a large organization but you know have you accounted for everything that's going to affect your piece um, is is there an accuracy you were just talking about materiality materiality is always a question but you can't hide a a lot of sins by jumping materiality levels you know it it -hmm. it is a concept that if the federal government ever gets to do a single set of financials for the entire federal government that we will hide a myriad of sins Mm -hmm. because large dollar value items simply drop away in yeah. comparison. And so some of the concept is that you really do need to do them on an agency by agency basis just to be transparent and reasonably accurate to somebody that might look at it. Um, think of that timeliness. I know DOD is very challenged to get to issuing statements, but you're also challenged because the rest of the community over time has tried to back up the issuance of that timing. And that adds a whole level of complication to life. Tremendously bad. Many agencies I've helped over the years could get to a clean opinion if they just issued another 30 days later. Hmm. Well, do you break the law saying when you have to issue so that you could issue a clean opinion and have more accurate information? Or are you better off issuing and reissuing which is a very expensive proposition. So, mm-hmm. you know, lots of things go into these ethical dilemmas, and and I I guess it's going to boil down to, in most cases, tell the story accurately. Whatever you are doing, make sure that somebody looking at the report that you're going to issue has a reasonably full story. You know, if something's weird, what do you? Yeah. We're, had you have these dilemmas like every day, Doug. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> well, they're I don't, not necessarily
2: uh, ethical. They're just uh, certainly there, there's issues. I mean, I you know I, I started off talking about what, what what's kept me in the industry and, and serving my country, and you know when I think a lot of people are in, are, are in this because they uh, enjoy serving their country, and, and with that kind of a mindset, you really don't. There's really not. A, you, uh, it's hard for me to reconcile unethical behavior and wanting to serve your country. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, for me, there, you're right. There's a whole different myriad of factors that, that could be, be in play. But at the end of the day, what's going to allow me to best look in the mirror and feel good about what I've chosen?
0: Right. Well, speaking of the end of the day, it's almost the end of the podcast. So I think Mark wanted to wrap us up with some closing thoughts here.
1: I, I do, and I'm, I do these so that you guys can both contribute. I want to remind every federal employee out there that you take the following oath of office when you take that job. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and that I will bear true faith faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will do well and faithful discharge the duties of the office in which I am about to enter, so help me God. We all take that oath because it is a fundamental principle that the job for which you're hired, you're going to do to the best ability you can. Um, At the end of the day, I think if you're a a government accountant, you have two bosses, right? You have the person who you work for and you have the citizens who are funding your government. Um, Your job is to make sure that you're accounting for things in accordance with whatever standards, whatever rules, whatever obligations exist. Um, Make sure you know those rules. AGA does a great job of helping us all with that continuing education but a lot of times we find that we're just faced with criteria and really don't know the answer to the question or a rule has changed. There's a fundamental principle going on here guys that if we're going to be responsible for accounting for something we have to know what rules apply. Um, Make sure you report things using words that are defined or words that can be clearly understood. Make sure you're reporting everything related to the subject. Um, Do you report both usefully, timely, and repetitively? Make sure taxpayers can rely on the reports you're issuing and make sure the users can rely on you. And the last quote from me is one by Ronald Reagan. Um, We must reject the idea that every time a law is broken, society is guilty rather than a lawbreaker. It is time to restore the American precept that each individual is accountable for his own actions our actions are to account for the receipts the disbursements all the financial transactions of our government um, let's not blame anybody else let's do that ourselves to the best of our abilities yeah so what do you think Doug I think I think we're blessed
2: to be in a the industry we are there there's nobility with it there's inherent uh, uh, motivations to be ethical it's its 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 easy to be ethical in this industry and there's a general consensus it's the right thing to do alright well with
0: that Mark and Doug thanks again for joining us and uh, I think we all learned a lot today and appreciate it Thanks. Well, hopefully we'll see you guys again soon Yes. Thank you. thanks Paul that's our show thanks for tuning in we're going to try to keep these coming for you we'll be able to do some remote over the phone podcasts while we're quarantined at home for now and uh, hopefully we'll keep some interesting information coming your way as usual all the podcasts are on ajacgfm.org and itunes and all the google play and all those fun places so until next time.